Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Hello, and welcome to the rare but majestic Zoo Crew regular episode of the Lines of the oh Podcast. <laughs> yeah, majestic is what I call it. <laughs> yeah. Just look at Carrie frolicking through a field. Francis dr- drinking softly from a babbling brook. And me, <laughs> dead from a hunter. <laughs> it's just like yeah with like you know like uh 30 30 shot directly to the skull uh just like bleeding out gently near a babbling brook yeah it's uh get, getting taken out by some guy who sees himself as a survivalist driving his a hundred thousand dollar a year pickup truck but lives in a yeah. suburb and can just shop at walmart yeah his uh his uh was it uh gmc fuck it, the new like electric hummer that's like $120,000 and, uh, you know, just get like an electric Hummer. He's not a pussy. He's going to get, he's going to get a gas powered thing and roll coal directly into his own butthole. Everybody knows it, it's totally gay to have a good fuel economy, guys. It is. <laughs> just getting an electric Hummer, but then also getting a diesel generator that you keep in the bed. Just so you can still roll coal and like, so you're not a fucking pussy. <laughs> Someone did that. I mean, unfortunately, it was with a, it was with a Tesla. Well, plugging your car in is female traits, man. <laughs> yeah. In, fa- in fairness, I mean, like, what, what, was that really a Tesla rolling coal or was that just a Tesla on fire? Uh, let's, you know, I mean, it could that be one just the current both things. Tesla stock. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is. Yeah, that's been that's been fun to watch. Bottom out. You know what the real fun part is, is is we're recording this about two weeks before it comes out. So by the time it comes out, new more new and horrific things will have occurred that we cannot yeah. make it out. We're gonna give you we're gonna give you timestamp right now. Right now it is eleven ten, twenty twenty two, and it is nine forty one on the eastern seaboard. So anything beyond any yeah. any where the economy has collapsed and you're listening to this on like an iPod seven years in the future after 90% of the population has, uh, has died. That's the date we're going from. Yeah. If, uh, if you're listening to the future and, uh, Twitter is still a thing, uh, cool. Uh, that, uh, that's uh, very much in question at this point because, um, the FTC is investigating the violation of consent order. Uh, Musk has said today well, that there's he, one thing that Elon Musk knows a lot about. It's uh yeah that well, might have to yeah. be believed out <laughs> yeah let's uh we're, we're just gonna move past uh that uh parody 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 uh we're not actually hey, saying hey, if that he, if uh, he you can know. use it if he can call a guy a pedo as as a joke i could call him <laughs> as a joke fuck him <laughs> i want to be very clear that is not uh that does not reflect my binding legal advice to uh to joe in this matter uh but yeah the the fdc is he's uh has said he's been vitally is he might be vitally consent order uh he had an all hands meeting today with all of his staff and what he told them to be more hardcore, but also, uh, you know, whoops, we might be bankrupt soon. Um, Tesla stock has gone down by like, I don't know, like it's, it's like, like a quarter. It's of lost it. a quarter. Like, of its- yeah. Like a quarter over the course of like the past, like few weeks. Um, okay. and our, our latest, uh, latest update on the rules, uh, for parodies is going forward. Accounts engaged in parody must include parody in the name, not just the bio. To be more pre- precise, accounts doing parody imp- impersonations. Basically, tricking people is not okay. That is the man who owns Twitter right now. Just like his brain is just leaking out of his fucking ears. And I love it. It's very funny. This is one of the, uh, you know, in uh, A-Lab, uh, all lawyers are bastards with like the hell dude and a few others have, have said that, you know, um, have gone really deeply into what constitutes lawyer brain and the way that like Rudy Giuliani's brain just kind of like rotted over time as he just kind of became a victim of his own success. And I want to be really clear that this, this might be the first really confirmed case of uh lawyer brain ex- 
like escaping the contagion of, uh, you know, or the containment of, you know, uh, the legal profession and really just seeping into the general populace. Like my man, my man has might actually manage to tank his entire empire by just being such a fucking dipshit that he can't stop posting. And frankly, I support him in this. Uh, I, I, I too cannot stop posting. So, you know, I, I did. The problem is he thinks he's a poster, but he's a reply guy. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> In in a normal world, he'd just be like a uh, an account that has under a thousand followers and never gets any likes on his tweets. Uh, you know, it's like that kind of low B, but kind of like ingrained in some weird group of Twitter. But yeah, it's just all it's all replies. You go to his response, his uh, his Twitter, his timeline, and it's all replies. And and I for one love our our posting CEO. Um, I do not. You know, I wish nothing why, but bad things for him. Why let literally what everybody is telling you get in the way of your dreams of losing 44 billion dollars <laughs> uh you know um so speaking of people doing things they probably shouldn't oh, that's right it's a, li- it's a lions led by donkeys podcast episode isn't it i'm trying desperately to segue here and i'm failing um uh so this show has something of a of a track record for talking about horrible things. Uh, it's not uncommon. But, wait, for, wait. You know, this uh, literally, this is literally the things? entire part part. I was not told there would be horrible things. That I am. <laughs> I frankly, I'm offended. Uh, you you haven't had a happy episode since like the 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 cute animals that like were on ships, but some of them died. So, well, actually, they're probably all dead at this point, but. I counter that with recently we published a bonus episode that started a beef with uh, the fake Albanian royal family. Uh, he is in my mentions <laughs> that is, currently on Twitter. That is true. That did happen today and was very good. Uh, I, I'm obviously my time zone is very fucked up. So I woke up to like 500 notifications of him calling me uh, saying that I have special needs. <laughs> Which like really just goes to the fact that we need to do our first live show in an Albanian bunker, both because A would be hilarious and then B because like we could probably find this guy and like I don't know. Like I could like you know, I could drink four beers and challenge him to a fist fight, it would probably be funny. <laughs> you know you know what? Shout out to that sure. guy for not shout out to that guy for not using the R slur though, you know. <laughs> he like literally called you special needs, which was, was very was very funny. Which you know what I'm not going to argue with him on that one, um, <laughs> Prince Leka. If if you are listening, fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker. Like this is this is the official first podcast of beef that we have, and it's with the fake Albanian king. Because uh, first of all, he pirated he pirated the fucking bonus episode. That bitch didn't even pay for the fucking bonus content. <laughs> you don't know. Check check your your most recent like, look. I do your I, I do your monthly mailing, so I haven't seen I haven't mailed anything to Slovakia, um, like a, a lions led by donkey sticker. Unless like he has like a very very online screen name, uh, he did he did he did not pay for that episode, which is fine, uh, you know. But if you're calling yourself a prince. Do you think he has somebody who listens to the podcast and then relays it to you? Or do you think like he sat down and listened to the entirety of this podcast? Look, to be going off of his comments, it? he listened to the whole thing. <laughs> Which, I mean, I don't know if I would listen to a podcast, an hour and a half long podcast <laughs> shitting on my own dad. Actually, I probably would do that. But like, <laughs> I mean, I think I think you've, I think you've recorded that, if I'm honest. Like right, you, you, you've, you know, you've recorded that entire episode. Or at least you could probably yeah, piece, piece it together over time. But, you know, Prince Leka, you, me, WrestleMania this year. You're fucking done, dude. <laughs> you fucking chump. <laughs> your family tree ain't got no branches and your bones look like bird bones. You're going down, son. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to fight him. We're going to take him and put him in a uh, in the Thunderdome with the Habsburg, the, with the Weeboo <laughs> Habsburg and let them fucking Thunderdome the, it out. Actually, actually, the Battle of the Jaws. Actually, no. It'll be it'll be great because we could do a tag team match. It could be uh, me and Joe versus uh, the Albanian Prince of the Habsburgs, uh, and we'll just you know, okay, yeah, I would do. I would one hundred percent do that. <laughs> like that, like that's gonna be our first. Like we're actually not gonna record anything. It's just gonna be like live on fucking Twitch or whatever, and it's just gonna be like a like a cage match uh, because. One hundred percent. If there's anything that I could think that like my entire uh, you know lineage of ancestors would approve of, it's probably like putting a chair to a Habsburg. Um, so you know, like let's just go for it. 
If there's one thing that me and those guys have in common, it's that neither of us are actually royalty of anything. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we, we talk about bad shit on this show all the time. And this is probably the first episode that either of you two have ever been on. We're not a single person is going to die. Um, so that, uh, mark, mark uh, on your fucking calendar. How, how dare you bring us on and not kill a million Nazis with us? I, I was promised genocide, and frankly, I'm uh, I'm upset that there's not going to be a single uh, corpse-related infrastructure item in this entire episode. If I don't have so, at least fifty thousand dead Russians, I'm just not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna be into this. I mean, Listen, they're only many, a short flight away from me currently. You could still go there. <laughs> how, how how many people have died from dysentery in this episode? I need to know this now. Uh, none, none. This this, this is a dumb oh, tank it's, episode. It's, it's, it's no. fucking it's fucking unac- unacceptable. <laughs> so let let's say it's World War II, uh, and you are the plucky little nation of New Zealand, a, a country I don't think if we've ever talked about on the show before. Um, <laughs> and, well, and you know, which if anything is good, like good on you know. Like I was, uh, I was talking to, uh, the, you know, Tom recently during like a 33rd counties episode. And like, you know, I was like, what is it like to, uh, you know, be Irish and travel abroad and just have people not hate you? Uh, and I feel like New Zealand <laughs> is kind of like broadly the same. Like, obviously there's like in, in, you know, they've had like longstanding issues with like the indigenous people that they displace, but like broadly, like if you go abroad and you're like, ah, I'm a kidney or, a, or not a kidney, a kiwi. They'll just be like, yeah, all right. I'm a, I'm a kidney. Boy, <laughs> got to get me beard. Uh, so like, yeah, uh, the, I don't think we've ever talked. We, maybe we mentioned them before. Uh, but, you know, they're in World War II. And unfortunately, they happen to be in the middle of the Pacific Ocean with the rapidly expanding Japanese Empire war crimesing its way towards your front door. Um, and, you know, New Zealand isn't exactly a military powerhouse at the time. It was part of the British domain. Uh, you have no tanks nor the ability to really build any of your own. And, uh, you know, at the moment, Britain isn't going to give you any. So what do you do? Enter what would be the worst tank ever used in war if it ever made it that far. Um, and it doesn't have an official name, but it is known as the Bob Semple tank. Um, <laughs> and, uh, oh, so what we, what we have here is we have the Homer but of tanks. <laughs> kind of. Uh, actually, the Homer might be a better tank. Um, <laughs> but we do have to talk about the, the man, the myth, the legend, Bob Semple, because he kind of rules. Uh, he was born on uh, the 21st of October in 1873 in Crudine Creek, New South Wales, Australia. So I guess he has every bad American joke about New Zealand come to life because he's actually Australian. Yeah, I mean, the, the, to go back to like the, uh, the Simpsons episode, just the one where they're like, find the prime the, the Austri- you know bar versus australia one where they find the prime minister like uh asleep in an inner tube in the middle of a pond that's like yeah, go have a soup you cunts <laughs> uh, um the reason why he eventually moved to new zealand is because he was uh he's a mine worker in victoria and kept organizing and taking part in labor strikes uh, this eventually led to oh, him yeah. getting blacklisted and being completely unable to find work. So he uh, moved to New Zealand and he started doing yeah. the exact same thing again. I mean, that's uh, that, that's better than, uh, you know, in the United States where they would just like, you know, deport you to a different state. Uh, you know, just send. I mean, in Australia, they just have to walk you 20 minutes outside of any city and you just die. <laughs> um, the kangaroos will take care of you. That cunt. <laughs> Uh, this is like I, look forward, I look forward to getting a lot of hate mail from Australians. <laughs> it's very funny that, that we're doing this episode while our producer is in Australia. So if you see him, it's his fault. And uh, Nate has nothing but kind things to say about your country. So uh, it's true. It's true. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess. Good on. Good on you, mates. He's getting Aussie pilled. If you if uh, he misses his flight and is still there in two weeks, uh, you know, direct all of your uh, direct all of your complaints to Nate. Uh, find him in a bar and tell him uh, how much you hated Francis's accent. Uh, <laughs> not mine, uh, because I both a will not do an Australian accent, and uh, b uh, everyone knows that the uh, Massachusetts accent is uh, you know essentially the I don't know the sexiest, basically the, yes the, the breath of angels. Uh, you know <laughs> the, bre- the breath I, of I, angels I, in regards I, to American regional accents. Yeah, as, <laughs> as Mark Wahlberg would put it, really. Uh, Mark Wahlberg would probably say a lot of other things that we can't put on the podcast as well. 
Um, <laughs> just just no, beat this whole section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Bob Semple moved to New Zealand, uh, and he also began organizing their labor force as well, and took time out of his day to become a professional bare knuckle boxer. Uh, because why not? He earned the nickname Fighting Bob Semple. And in fairness, uh, you know, if you're a labor organizer at that particular point in history, the two things kind of do go together. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and I assume bare knuckle boxing in New Zealand is just cornering and punching tiny flightless birds. Um, <laughs> just, just being the shit out of a fucking kangaroo or like a platypus. There's no kangaroos in New Zealand. You shouldn't you exist, motherfucker. Uh, now, when World War One started, Bob was vocally against taking part in it and, and actually hid his son's age from the local draft office. For this, he was eventually arrested. This would not be the only time he was arrested. Um, he attempted to use his position as the local mine union boss to pr- pressure the government to abandon conscription. At one point, he told his miners to, quote, not get lassoed by the Prussian octopus conscription, which... Credit where credit is due. I think this is the first time I've ever heard someone use the octopus thing for political commentary, and it wasn't anti-Semitic. So good job, Bob. Uh, it was just a, it was anti-German, which we're all fine with. Um, as you can imagine, he got arrested again uh, under the the new War Regulations Act, which at the time meant uh, you know free speech is kind of out the window. Uh, and then that also meant he didn't even get a jury. Uh, he just got thrown directly into prison. Um, and he was there from 1917, got out, and began touring the coal fields once again, telling anybody who would listen that the war was dumb and maybe break your foot before you get drafted. He actually said that. Um, now, I agree. After all don't, this, d- don't go to World War One. It sucks. Yeah, yeah that, I think I'd see, rather saw my foot off than do that. In retrospect, um, uh, seems like it was a bad time. Yeah, I've heard not great uh, for the lads. They didn't um, have no, uh, I, they didn't have the Pizza Hut like I did. Have you done a Gallipoli episode yet? Not yet. I'm planning for it. Um, like it's it's in the the beginning stages, uh, the the pre cum of a podcast episode. <laughs> just, just a just a not a nocturnal emission of an idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Uh, he uh, after he got out of jail and was touring, he was eventually elected into parliament in 1918, and then immediately lost his seat the next year. He uh, remained working as a union organizer until the late 20s, uh, when it seems like people stopped caring that he had that convention, uh, conviction from wartime uh, hanging around him. So he was effectively, eventually elected to the Wellington City Council and then leader of the Labor Party, which at the time was not in power. Though eventually the Labor, power came, uh, the Labor Party came back into power after the elections in 1935. And uh, he kind of has a thing for running and losing elections before he finally finds his safe seat. Um, he ran for mayor of Wellington, lost, and then was elected to a different parliamentary seat, which he finally sat on until he retired. Um, but this is the more important part of our story here. Bob and his party returned to power pretty much just in time for the world to implode into war. Uh, and he was also named the Minister of Public Works, which is a cabinet position. That in peacetime, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, you handle unemployment relief, um, a great depression relief efforts infrastructure projects stuff like that however oh, so it was kind of like a it was kind of like an overall like it wasn't because like when you say public works like i just think it's like oh we're gonna like maybe like civilian con- conservation corps sort of thing with like paving roads or whatever i think but they like, also did that as well um uh, from my understanding this ministry doesn't even exist anymore yeah well i was it was funny because i was researching uh like the various different secretariats in massachusetts recently uh, everyone who just listened to that in guffawed, shut up. Um, but uh, one of them was uh, like during the seventies, like what is now like the Executive Office of Labor and Workforce Development was literally just called like the Secretariat of Manpower Affairs, and that was just like what it was called. Yeah, it was. It's kind of a strange name. Uh, I think the, it, like, the Ministry of Public Works kind of got privatized. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> some QE listener can correct me because it's probably not that simple because it never is. Uh, but when World War II broke out, being the Minister of Public Works, because New Zealand wasn't exactly set up for you know a world war, um, so they ended up just slapping a ton of more responsibilities onto ministerial offices that already existed, like Minister of Public Works. And it effectively made Bob Semple the second most powerful man in the country after the Prime Minister. Well, <laughs> I guess yeah. third if you count the King of England, but nobody's counting that. <laughs> 
Fucking rules. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah, Bob. We all, we all love a guy in like a Commonwealth government whose name is just Bob. Not like, you know, <laughs> Rogers, Simpleston, like Wadsworth the 14th or whatever, but just like, who's that? Like, who's in charge of that agency? Oh, it's Bob. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, he's in the uh, unions. He's he likes yeah. he likes the coal miners. He wears a, <laughs> Bob. Bob's a guy that would wear uh, a hoodie and shorts. Yeah, hundred percent. Or or the kiwi version of a hoodie and shorts. I don't know what that would be. Um, Probably I, a hoodie I and assume shorts. A, a, but, a bush hat and a banana hammock. Or like yeah, or like maybe like a, a hoodie and board shorts. Maybe or you know yeah maybe right 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 in if you know what the equivalent is. Look at. If you're a Kiwi and you're listening to this, look at pictures of John Fetterman and then, uh, you know, uh, write in and tell us uh, what the, you know, what the Kiwi equivalent of that is. Yeah. You really love a guy who works his way up from one getting out of prison for resisting World War One conscription and uh, unionizing mine workers to being the second most powerful man in a country within the space of a decade. Um, It's pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, but you know, unfortunately, his politics did change, and some of that's for obvious reasons. He was now very pro-conscription, and he was pro-censorship as well, despite the fact he was previously thrown in prison for violating both of those things. Um, and you can kind of understand why he would change in regards to conscription, because you know World War One was happening very far away from New Zealand. It was he he considered it not New Zealand's war. I obviously agree with him, uh, but. You know, why the fuck should anybody from New Zealand have to go and die in a muddy hole in France because some Austrian got clapped by a Bosnian Serb who's buying a sandwich? Right. Uh, There's no, the, the, it's a little bit different when the war is in your backyard. Yeah. Was, like World, World War II is a lot different. Just, yeah. I mean, Japan was steamrolling their way through the Pacific. Everyone was terrified that eventually there'd be an invasion attempt on either Australia or New Zealand or both. Uh, a Japanese uh, invasion of Australia seems wildly impossible uh because you know it's mostly 99 percent nothing and snakes um, right it's like it is mostly uninhabitable like they're it's like when the didn't um when they took over the aleutian isles and it's like okay and like i guess we'll just sit here and freeze to death yeah okay have the, have fun on your rocks i suppose well it's like even like a lot of like dystopian uh like fiction about like you know some sort of invasion in the united states ultimately ends up being like yeah, they uh, you know, they invaded the Pacific coast and they pushed out to the Rockies and then they just stopped because uh, there wasn't a lot else there really that they wanted. Yeah, it, it turns out America quite a large country, um, and Australia large and uh, very hostile, uh, very, very like, deadly. Yeah. yeah, you can you can you can survive on the plains of uh, of America. Um, Americans did it for a long time, but there's there's a reason there's no like. Nebraska equivalent in Australia. Yeah, why? Yeah, why like, like everything? Just nothing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Canada in that way, where it's like, yeah, everything along the American border, a lot of people. Uh, everything, uh, you know, significantly farther north, or it's significantly way the fuck colder. And yeah, you know, just like you know, or fucking moose. You know, there's a lot of moose, not a lot of people. Uh, plural of moose is meese. Many people don't know this. Um, now, uh, I, it's not true. No, I hope nobody actually believes I think that. Um, <laughs> I should point out here, though, that the Japanese never actually had formalized plans to invade New Zealand. They were, you know, like, if everything goes really well and we, and we win, we'll take care of New Zealand at some point. And that's definitely more of a we'll pressure Australia type thing rather than like we're going to invade and do hand-to-hand combat with the Wallabies and shit. Um, but it, it was still a, a very real fear, and New Zealand was effectively standing by itself in the middle of the Pacific Ocean because while Australia and New Zealand are very close to one another, they're not exactly military powerhouses at the time, and they're both heavily relying on the British. And the British are very far away and very busy getting their shit kicked in by the Nazis. And it, like um, even now, like if you like, you know, described like a military powerhouse, you want to be like New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, I worked with their soldiers in uh, Afghanistan. Great dudes. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know. nothing against them. Like, you know, it's, it's not to say that they're not, like, professionals in everything they do or that, like, you know, the like the assets that they have are great or, like, whatever. But, like, I wouldn't be like, yeah, man, don't fucking worry. We got New Zealand on our side necessarily. Like, that's, you know, kind of a separate, like, separate question. Uh, They'll bring their air no. force of flightless birds. So, I guess they're also infantry. One is like, um, if anything, it's a, it's a compliment. Like, ah, 
fuck you, buddy. You've accidentally spent too much money on a social welfare state instead of spending all of your money on a national defense and security state. Uh, you fucking idiot. Now, here come the Japanese, and don't you wish you had a hydrogen bomb? Well, guess what? <laughs> you're on our side, New Zealand, so you're okay. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and just vaporize about half a million uh, Japanese people over the next month and a half. Now, um, New Zealand and Australia, for that matter, entire defense plan re- rested pretty heavily on the British military. This included for naval defense, virtually the entire Air Force and any heavy vehicles. But none of those things that they needed were actually in New Zealand at the time. And in case you haven't looked at a map, it's not exactly a short trip from one to the other. Shipping anything over would take a very long time. And this is made much, much worse by the fact that as soon as the war started, the allies in Europe were not exactly having a good time. Then Dunkirk happened, forcing the British to leave a lot of their heavy vehicles behind, meaning that there was a shortage back home. New Zealand sure as fuck wasn't getting anything. Um, New Zealand's entire armored force consisted of six vehicles. None of them were a tank. There are all these things called Bren carriers, if you're not familiar with them. It kind of looks like if you slapped a thin steel armor on one of those tiny cars made for kids that you plug into a wall. Um, in short, they're fucked. You don't, you, you don't want to rely on a, a fleet of Bren carriers. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's like, oh, uh, <laughs> we want a tank. Well, do you really have a tank? Well, we got the we got some tank. Yeah, <laughs> you ordered it like. You you described a tank through a series of like bad telephone calls, and they made a Bren carrier. Like it's like you know, oh, attract, well, hold attract, on to that thought because we're getting to something that kind of happens like that. <laughs> a tracked vehicle that like can carry a single fucking machine gun. At this point, Bob Semple decided if he couldn't buy or get any tanks, he would just have to find a way to plug the gap in New Zealand's military. New Zealand Defense Department uh, had been in talks with the United States to get their hand on some armored plate, something that New Zealand couldn't really manufacture on their own yet. This is because Bob had heard of something called the Distin Tank Design. The Distin was a joint project by the famed tractor manufacturer Caterpillar and a saw company called Distin Saw Works, which is you know, not exactly <laughs> who you want to team up to build a tank. <laughs> by her powers combined. <laughs> by our powers yeah, you'll combined, create we a have abortion. Uh, effectively, what they did was slap a bunch of cheap armor plate onto a Caterpillar Model 35 tractor. The Distin had a 37 millimeter gun mounted in its body and a turret with a 30 caliber light machine gun. It could reach the blistering speeds of maybe five miles an hour, uh, which would be good if it was World War I. Um, all of this could be built for around $20,000, which is around $300,000 today, which is still very cheap for a tank. However, when it comes to military equipment and military you know, uh, engineering and stuff, you really do get what you pay for sometimes. And the distance was a piece of shit. It was super tall and therefore easy to see. There's a reason why it's fairly cheap for a tank, because it's, it's not a very good tank. Yeah, it's, it's barely a tank at all. Its civilian tractor tracks could barely go off-road after being loaded down with cannons and armor. And, oh yeah, the engine was completely and totally uncovered and exposed sitting in front of the tractor. Nobody ever <laughs> bought a single one of them, but apparently three were built and given to the kingdom of, of Afghanistan for free at the time and vanished. Nobody knows what ever happened to them. Probably broke uh, 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 we're Good thing that never happened again. Uh, you know, just... <laughs> Damn! See, we we only had one of the bases I was on in Afghanistan had a uh, had a T fifty five on it. Um, that that the local mechanic was was that was his project. He was like, I want to get this thing running before the end of uh, uh, the end of his his deployment. But now it's just like, man, now I could have found I could have found a New Zealand tank in Afghanistan. Just turn the corner and find some weird like engine on the outside metal abortion <laughs> happening here. There's like a non-zero chance that we're going to see a fucking YouTube video of the Taliban somehow like resurrecting this fucking getting it up and running again. Yeah. Uh, but uh, bad news. Bob couldn't get the armor plate from the US. He couldn't even oh, no, get blueprints Bob. for the distant because uh, that would take too long. You know, he couldn't exactly get an email of it. It's the 40s. So he figured that he would just try to build his own, a shittier version of a shitty tank that not even Afghanistan would actually pay for. All of this is despite the fact that Bob knew less about building a tank than the guys who had built the Distin, which is never a good sign. 
And like I should point out here, this is not the only time this happens during the war. Shout out um, to Bob for like, trying for trying though, you know. Like he's yeah. he's really he's somebody he he found a problem and that problem was we need a tank in case the Japanese come and we can't get one. I'm just going to fucking figure it out. Let's go. This incredible dad energy that Bob's got going on. New Zealand on wasn't alone in doing this though. Like Australia was caught pretty much in the same kind of trap and found themselves rapidly having to slap together something that looked like a tank. Um, this re- this resulted in something that was actually much better than the Bob Semple tank called the AC-1 uh, Sentinel. The Sentinel's entire hull was cast steel, like in one giant piece, as was its turret, which is very weird. Um, and it was powered by three car engines that had been wired together. Um, this turned into a mostly functioning tank until they brought it out for testing and discovered the thing barely worked, mostly because the engine... It's considered such a miserable waste of time and resources that when staring down the possibility of like conflict with the Japanese, the government decided that, you know what, maybe we should just use the resources from this tank and build more railroads, which, you know, yeah, you should probably do that. Um, and like I said, the Sentinel in comparison to the Bob Semple uh, is, is way better. And uh, like, but we haven't really talked about the Semple yet. We're getting there. He's finally, get, he's getting close. Um, equipped with a picture of the distant tank and little else, Bob went to talk to a guy named T.G. Beck, who work, who's a public works engineer from Christchurch, uh, and asked if he and other department engineers could build this thing that he wanted. Beck, a man who was in charge of an irrigation project, shrugged and said, yeah, I could probably do that. <laughs> I, I mean, we, do, we, do we appreciate a man. Yeah, we appreciate a man who's just like, I don't know, fuck it. I got like a, like a, you know, a welding rig and some spare time. Like, I don't know. Fuck it. Let's do this. I got a drill press. Let's do it. How back it go? Without any kind of formal plans or blueprints, they began work and at the public's workshop in Tamuka. Their plan was to take their fleet of 81 D8 Caterpillar tractors and build armored bodies for them. The tractors would be used for their normal purposes. And if called upon for war service, they would have these armored bodies swung around and fitted on top via a crane. Um... So they were kind of building a transformer. They would require virtually nothing to be done to the tractors themselves. And the entire tank body could be built completely separately. Though they did make sure to strengthen the suspension to accommodate the extra thousand pounds of tank that they were going to plop down on top of this, like a Kiwi nesting doll. Um, but you know, <laughs> it, it, it's not enough. Uh, it's going to be a problem later on. New Zealand Matriska doll. Now, by June of 1940, the first prototype rolled out of the depot. No, not really. They still didn't have steel, so they had to build it out of wood. Uh, but the design wait, wait, was a wait, monster. Wait, 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 what? Like they, yeah, they, they built, built it out of wood. wood. It's a wooden tank. Oh, it's cool. A, it's like yeah, a proof no, of concept. I mean, yeah, but even so, like, I feel like, you know, like kind of going back to your, like, uh, you know, prior comment there, like, uh, you know, I feel like there's going to be like a weight difference. Like, I feel like there's going to be like, very crucial difference that is involved that, like, you know, a wood tank is not necessarily going to solve. It's a problem. Um, but the main problem wasn't the wood, actually. It was the concept itself. Because it was a full 12 feet tall, um, which is huge for a tank if you've never been close to one. Like, people think tanks are massive. I mean, it's it's pretty huge for, like, I mean, like, my, like, big, dumb, lifted, like, pickup that I inherited is, like, seven feet tall. And that's, like, way too fucking big. So. Now, for comparison's sake, a King Tiger tank was only nine feet tall. Right. Um, like I feel like I feel like twelve is a little excessive. It would. It was the tallest tank ever built. It's still. It's something they still hold. It's tank for for tall guys, man. It's uh, not really. Finally, the, the, the a place where you can do tanks is not for people. <laughs> <laughs> for another comparison, there's a cartoonish Nazi wonder weapon called the Panzer Eight Mouse. That was a, a full foot shorter than the fucking Bob Simple tank. If it, I mean, it kind of does go into production, though. Like most people don't consider this a tank that was officially in production. But despite that, it, it's the tallest tank ever produced by anybody ever, and it will hold that record until the day it, the, the, of the heat death of the universe. Probably, arguably, this is more of a, the building the Bob Simple was more of a feat than building the Panzer Eight mouse because the mouse is never actually finished. They built a couple Bob Semples. So like, congratulations, New Zealand, you did it. You, you're, the, you're the sleeper dumbest tank designer of World War II. <laughs> Just coming in at the last minute. 
that they had to scrap their plans to actually put a cannon on their tank because they discovered we have no cannons. Um, <laughs> we, 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 we actually don't have any of those. Ah, ah the, the, one, uh, the one weird trick to prevent anyone from putting a cannon on a tank is not having any cannons for your tanks. Yeah, everybody was so worried about building something that like could withstand, with you know, have a little bit of armor and move, and then nobody thought about well, what if we want to shoot back? Like, ah, god damn it! Who's got, a, who's, got a, who's got a who's got a cannon around here? Well, they but decided the to replace it with six machine guns, um, <laughs> facing literally every single way. Um, so it's just a pillbox at this point. A pillbox that can move, yes. Yeah, a mobile um, pillbox. Actually, that's actually unfair to pillboxes because those can protect you. But we'll get to that point. Um, though they had to carve out where exactly these would go, and it seems like they didn't put a lot of thought into it. As the machine guns are put, one, one of the machine guns is put directly over the engine. So in order to shoot it, a crewman would have to lay down on top of a mattress that would be draped over the running engine to protect them from getting burned. Um, <laughs> and they weren't even sure how many people should fit inside the thing. How do you convince anybody to do this shit? Like, is it is it just because we're of an era where we expect too much? Just to be like, hey man, Seat I need maybe. you to lay I need you to lay down on this fucking running engine to operate the gun inside of our wooden tank. And like somebody's like, yeah, sure. And like they put so little planning into all of this. They never knew how many people should crew it. Like it went from eight to seven, but then also six. So they're not all they're they're bad at engineering, but they're also bad at planning. Um, but one of the weirdest oversights of the vehicle, by far, in my opinion, was that there was no turret hatches for the crew, um, and there was really no hatches at all. Every member of the crew would have to be would be forced to enter and exit via a single back door. <laughs> just like real, like just real fuck them energy. Uh, you know, like remember this could be up these- to eight people. Fuck these fucking nerds. Like, I'm really fucking tired of hearing all their whining. Yeah, you're all going to go in and out of the same door, you fucking assholes. Yeah, they. I think that means they've effectively created the first military vehicle ever that could also be the victim of a crowd crush in the right event. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> good job. So good, so good um, work there, overall. So they're still, they're still, on, the, the, they're still on the wood tanks here. Um, and that was the like the, the the proof of concept. And despite this being a giant dumb pile of shit, they decided to keep working on it. Because again, what other choice did they have? This proto- So they ordered a prototype made out of actual steel, like how it would be uh, when it was really done. And um, they also got some form of armor plate, um, but not really. It, was, it, it wasn't, well, it wasn't like... It was steel. I don't. It wasn't really armor plate. So they they had metal. Now they didn't have to build out of wood. However, because they didn't have actual engineered armor plate, they ran into a problem. We still need something um, to to protect this monster that we've created. <laughs> so they decide to use corrugated magnanese, which is probably known better as the aluminum siding to your house. <laughs> You know, I was going to joke to say they should just go to Home Depot and get some aluminum siding, but that's what they did, huh? If you look at a picture of this thing, that's it, lo- it looks like they put aluminum siding on a tank. Yeah. Um, so now you have a badly built armed suburban home, I guess. Um, it was slapped there with the understanding that because it was corrugated, and for people that maybe don't know what corrugated means, it's wavy or whatever, it would deflect bullets. Nope, that's not how anything works, and uh, they didn't even bother <laughs> testing it. <laughs> no, like there's, oh there's my no god, I'm way. actually I'm I'm just now looking at a picture of it. This is literally a killdozer, but the killdozer was like better armor. Uh, the killdozer had more armor. <laughs> uh, however, with all this new weight on top the, uh, of the the tractor body, tests showed that it could barely crack five miles an hour. And remember, it's twelve feet tall. And they quickly learned the same lesson the nineteen nineties SUV manufacturers uh, uh, learned, and that's things started rolling over if they were turned on even the slightest hill or a grade that wasn't paved. Uh, so they made it a, a, a death machine, but for only the people within it. <laughs> It's just um, like the uh, the CSA submarine. Yeah, it, kill, um, it kills a whole lot of Confederates. To be fair, this this doesn't kill anybody, but it absolutely would have if they tried to use it. Um, 
uh, remember, this is a tank shell on top of a tractor, right? So it's not exactly put together well. It's it's not a it's not a well functioning tank. Um, so when the drivers hit, just kind of like you know that'll do is like a fucking technical spec, you know, just like yeah, it's fine. Like what torque does it need? I don't know. Uh, tight enough. It's fine. Yeah. What, what's the, until the, what's the worst thing that can happen? It starts to crack. <laughs> right. Um, so when the driver hit the gas on the test rides, they found that even at five miles an hour driving straight down a perfectly paved road for fear of flipping over and dying, they still cannot fire while moving. The tank shell vibrated so violently on top of the tractor that it shook the eyes in their socket so badly they could not accurately fire the machine gun, which also made fucking, driving <laughs> awful. That fucking rules. Just like, just, just absolutely, just like creating a fucking like, like punishment chamber. Like this is just, you know, this is just sadomasochism with like a, a lot of extra. <laughs> we have built a vibrator for your soul. <laughs> yeah, this is this thing was created by some some kind of New Zealand Cenobite. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously you know, get, the New Zealand get, army. You have to get like a what? What kind of percentage do you do you think you get for detached retinas <laughs> from the VA? Uh, that's uh, unfortunately, sir. That is not service connected. You get no. nothing. <laughs> it is if you're in a Bob Semple. No, you didn't need to get in that Bob Semple. That 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 wasn't even an army vehicle. That's uh, that was never officially adopted. Not service connected. That was a hobby that you had. Anyway, the VA is going to hire me also, now. Also, just imagine like having to like explain to your kids that the reason why you like can't see them is because your retinas got detached while you were in a tank called the Bob Semple. Yeah. Like you know, it's like I was you know like. Sorry, like, you know, my, you know, grandpa's like hearing is fucked because he was in like the fucking Roy Rogers of fucking tanks. Like, yeah, fuck is uh, that? A union guy who became the pub minister of public works made me sit in a vibrating shit box and now dad's blind. <laughs> 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 I mean, it sounds like a lot uh, so, of like the, uh, sounds like a lot of the, uh, the cars that all my friends drove in high school, to be honest. <laughs> now, uh, when the army saw these things, they fucking hated them, obviously. Um, <laughs> they were worthless for anything. Uh, but they still had no options, so they ordered three of them. Um, this construction was carried out in the railway workshop in Addington, which is in Christchurch, uh, starting in January of 1941. And uh, they actually rolled out the first one in less than a month, which tells you the, uh, the, the solid quality <laughs> control that they had. Much like a Tesla, to be honest, uh, just like you know, just kind of slapping it together, like, yeah, I don't know, it's good enough. Uh, well, this isn't fair. Not a single Bob Simple caught on fire. America was churning out battleships in eight days. What do you want? Yeah, but they, it's because they have a, like a manufacturing capacity like the world has <laughs> never seen. This is New Zealand in 1940, uh, which is mostly sheep. And in, in fairness, uh, you know, to the Bob Simple, it has never run over a small child in a crosswalk. Um, that's so true I, that is true i, I, I um, do take back my comparison they did uh they did find some armor plate this time but it was only uh less than a half inch um so like anything else when confronted by a half inch of anything this is just a disappointment um then for a good measure they still <laughs> strapped on the corrugated roofing tin they had laying around so that's what gives the the sample its iconic dumbass look um if you're if you're wondering if they tested it Yes, according to one guy who worked on it, and that's about it. And how they tested it kind of showed that none of these guys uh, knew anything about tanks or how to build one. Um, according to one guy named Saw Bemple, uh, they, they tested the tank and it was fine. Don't worry about it. Don't look too far into it. It's cool. They fired an anti-tank rifle at it, a weapon that was considered mostly useless by the end of World War I. Uh, just so people don't think I'm shooting at anti-tank guns or whatever, um, they were used pretty extensively throughout the early stages of World War II with a minimal effect, but could still hurt lightly armored vehicles, something a tank is not. Um, and the, the anti-tank rifles could penetrate significantly more than 0.31 inches of armor, which is what the sample was working with. Um, and I just realized how bad that sentence is when I read it out loud and out of context. Uh, um, for example... Uh, the Commonwealth's uh, own boys anti-tank rifle that was like the British supplied everybody could punch through more than double the Semple's armor. Uh, and this gun was thought to be useful only against lightly armored vehicles and soldiers were warned about never using it against a tank. And it could fucking spit roast this thing. Again, a sentence I should have read out loud before I wrote it. 
Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so the, the idea that they tested it with an anti-tank rifle, I'm going to say dubious at best. I'm going to say someone pencil whipped that motherfucker because the boy's anti-tank rifle would have like uh, punched straight through every single part of this thing. Well, it didn't it didn't blow the tank up. It just, uh, you know, went through and came out the other end and then blew up over there. So you and you've only killed six. No, you know, no, two that's what anti-tank rifles inside. do. They puncture through tanks and they kill the people in them. Uh, it, there's, they don't like explode. Um, it's it looks like a gigantic hunting rifle for hunting the most dangerous game. So you can harvest the succulent tank meat from within. <laughs> Is that what you were? The succulent tank meat? Yeah, I'm succulent tank meat. Was that, was that, was, was that your MOS? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 19 kilo succulent tank crew member. Many people are saying, Joe, how are you so succulent? I'm like, I don't know. I, I was born this way. By March of 1941, the second tank was finished, and both took part in a parade in Christchurch on the 26th of April. And honestly, this is very funny to me, because this entire thing, um, was to promote the war effort. Um, another tank was sent to Wellington, another to Auckland. Um, and they were all paraded around. And this parade was meant to show the people of New Zealand this gigantic tractor monster to prove to them that they were like, we were able to defend ourselves and they wanted you're, to raise You're in good hands. Brown. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, this did the exact opposite. Look at the goddamn thing. If you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know what the Bob Seppel looks like, Google it real Hit pause. Look at this fucking monstrosity. The picture on Wikipedia specifically of the Bob Semple on parade, it makes it look like it's got like the brand guns and the way that the front grill is. It makes it look like it's got a face and it's just the saddest face. Like this is the worst McDonald's toy I've ever seen. Face in constant <laughs> pain. Um, it, it's, uh, so first of all, they couldn't drive it anywhere due to the fact that they were so loud and hard to control and slow. Um, they were worried about like, because they're real, you could barely see out of the fucking things, even for a world war two era tank. And they were worried about hurting someone. So they had to put them on tractors. Uh, they had to put the tractor on another tractor. <laughs> just a fucking Russian nesting doll of like tractors, just like over and, and the, over the, and the over. engine kept stalling constantly. So they were worried if they like actually drove it through Christchurch, they would just like die. Uh, so they had to see Frankenstein's monster tractor on parade securely in the back of a tow truck tractor type deal. It was specifically built for the Bob Simple because of how big it is. And that's actually how this tank got its unofficial name, the Bob Simple tank, because people were blaming him for the birth of this fucking thing. <laughs> Much how like people like to boo my own mother whenever she goes out in public. Um, People had political cartoons published in local newspapers shitting on Semple and his tank, which is great. I, I can't think of another situation where someone's writing a political cartoon shitting on a guy in a tank at the same time. Um, we need more of that somehow. I don't know how we would get there, though. However, public shit talking didn't stop the government from going ahead with tests because, again, they still had no other options. Uh, well, and we because, no you, know, like, uh, you know, federal governments will be federal governments, really. I mean, the Brits, the Brits still hadn't made with the tanks. So, like, they're like, well, it's our best option, which is yeah, our only no, option. Nobody, nobody else showed up to the science fair with a different tank. So, it's just like you win by default, <laughs> I guess. But <laughs> yeah, the two sweetest words in the English language default. Now, we have no idea if the anti tank testing actually took place or if it was one of the engineers covering his ass and pencil whipping some paperwork. But they did do some other tests for sure. And that is spraying them with machine gun fire to see what would happen. Um, and, you know, one of the, the most minimum things you want in a tank is it stops machine gun fire, you know, obviously. Um, one one, one would know. say that's largely the entire point. Uh, yeah. At least like um, as they were originally conceived, like in World War One. Well, due to the horrible design of the machine gun ports in the tank for all of the machine gun, all six of the machine guns inside, bullets could puncture right through it and shatter, sending spalling directly into the face of the gunners manning them. This is known as bad. You don't want that to happen with your tank. People keeping track of home. You just got to wear your eye pro and you'll be fine. Eye pro back then was just called eyes. This is why it's a. This is why it's important to have you on as a former tank crew member because Francis and I would not be able to, you know, we wouldn't know if that was good or bad. Yeah, many people don't know that it's actually very, very bad. Your turret is full of very fast moving pieces of metal going directly into your face. Um, 
Uh, it's exfoliating. Uh, so there's that. The generals present at the testing attempted to turn this turd into a diamond by noting their main complaint was, along with all of the other complaints, was just that it was too fucking tall. Uh, General Paddock, one of the uh, New Zealand's commanding generals, uh, really wanted to put a cannon on it because it's it's a tank. It should have a cannon. But New Zealand just didn't have any, making the turret pretty much pointless. So they decided to rip the turret off, cutting them down to a svelte 10 feet tall which is still the tallest tank ever to be ordered by any country ever. Uh, and then they were accepted into military service officially by the military of New Zealand. So they were in military service, but they were immediately relegated to beach defense because they didn't have to drive or move at all to do that, um, which is two things that it was not good at. <laughs> now, even after General Paddock, who spoke well of the tank, despite, you know, hating it, recommended that the government never build another one of these fucking things ever again. Uh, and just to stop, uh, just, <laughs> I recommend, I recommend we execute everybody involved and bury all of the bodies along with the plans and never speak of this again. Just to be safe. We should also shoot the tank in the back to kill it. Uh, but it, the truly the chappy of tanks, uh, of the three that were officially built, two were accepted into the military. Uh, now, thankfully for New Zealand, just as the army was resigning themselves to probably dying in this goddamn thing that looked like something out of the old TLC Junkyard Wars show, um, the British finally came through, shipping them real tanks in the form of the Valentine II, eventually getting hundreds of them by the end of the war. Now, to add to that, the Kiwis also finally got a factory up and running that could churn out Bren carriers, which, despite looking hilarious, uh, even though these were the only things that New Zealand had at the start of this entire episode, we're still better than the Bob Simple tank. So there's that. Um, two of the Simples actually had their tank shells taken off and, re- and they were returned back to civilian service, which I assume means in the Cars universe, they're VA retirees. Um, but <laughs> uh, the third did see active service, but not as a tank. That also stripped off all of the tank shit, fitted it with a dozer blade. And then shipped to, I believe, uh, like New Guinea or something. But that also meant it was significantly more useful than it ever had been as a tank. So they they just did like a re- you know return on the tank back to back to being a uh, a bulldozer, I guess. Yeah, they released it back into the wild. Be free, tractor. You don't have to pretend <laughs> to be a tank anymore. Uh, turn our, no. turning, beating our swords into plowshares and uh, putting. Uh, Turning our tanks into tractors now, I guess. Yeah, uh, they did this. The, they did the opposite. They're like, "What if we turn these plowshares into a sword?" Fuck, this makes a bad sword. <laughs> Put it back into a plowshare. <laughs> it's a mistake. It's a mistake. Melt it down again. Uh, uh, probably my favorite part of this entire story is just how much the people of New Zealand laughed at these fucking things, and they kept giving Bob Semple shit about them. Um, and Bob, for you know, you know, being a slightly brain damaged bare knuckle boxer guy who used to breathe a whole bunch of mine fumes also got pissed off and everybody brought it up um he knew they failed as a tank but the way he looked at it was like fuck you at least i tried yeah Um, you know fuck all these other people like nobody bob semple was trying to defend new zealand and nobody else was doing anything else so you can't really give you can't really give him shit for this like He's not a tank designer. He was just a guy who had a garage and some time on his hands. Um, during a meeting in 19... 19- okay, before I read this quote off, I had to change it. It's not a direct quote. It's the 40s. Bob did not use the word Japanese for people. And I'll let you use your imagination for the other word that he used. Um, so I had to, to change from slur into word. Um, but during a meeting in 1943, Bob had an exchange of that kind. Um, uh, and it kind of ties up the entire his, New Zealand's entire relationship with this tank. Uh, he said, quote, When I came into office, we had insufficient strength to protect a current bun from the attack of a blowfly. I, I assume that's a bad thing. I don't know what either of those things are. But if the Japanese could be killed with wheelbarrows, we could have stouched them. Sure. Uh, we had plenty of barrows. Two years before the war, quietly slipped machines to Fiji and Tonga, built aerodromes there secretly. It was a plain, it was plain as the day that the Japanese would strike south through the back door of Singapore to New Zealand. What stopped them from doing this? Someone laughed in the crowd and, and loudly replied, probably your tank, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
God, I love I love this shithead in the back. He's probably a little drunk too. He just kind of like showed up and just cracked his third beer and just uh, I fucking love him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. What is, I don't know what stoushed means. Like the is he, if that's Kiwi slang or old timey slang or old timey yeah. Kiwi slang. I don't know. Yeah, there there's um, a lot of. Um, I understood maybe about fifty percent of what you said. I, I, I but I, I, I got the spirit of what Bob was going for. Yeah. And then Bob replied, if that is a cheap sneer, you keep it. I had a vision to try to create something while a lot of others were just sniveling. <laughs> See, his tank was a work of art. He had a vision. This is essentially the dialogue right now between everyone on Twitter and Elon Musk. Uh, it's unfair like to call Bob, uh, Bob Semple Elon Musk. He has done way less horrible things that I'm aware of. <laughs> Someone, a New Zealand listener, I swear, is going to send me an email like, "Actually, Bob Semple is a monster, and here's why." Like, oh, okay. I, I was going to say, I was going to say, it's like one of those things you have to like, you have to qualify, particularly like in a Commonwealth state. You're like, uh, that I'm aware of because there's like a better than fifty percent chance he's going to turn out to be like a horrible, like generation spanning nonce uh, or like yeah, some probably. other sort of like terrible thing. It's always possible. He's a white New Zealander who was also who is former Australian. He's like Australian. He's probably racist. <laughs> he wasn't right, even a Kiwi. He was Australian. Yeah, he he's absolutely racist. He, and, he, he has said he has said slurs that would make all of our uh, hair curl, including mine. Like during my a public shaved. speech, I mean, I mean, it's in the mid forties. Everybody talked like that, unfortunately. But like, yeah, it's like I was. Re- I'm like, well, I'm not gonna transpose that quote word for word. Um. So in closing, I'll give what might be the most positive evaluation that the Bob Semple tank ever had. Now, listen if you can catch all of the, the ifs in here. Okay, This is from Peter uh, Cook's book, Defending New Zealand Ramparts on the Sea. Quote, it's possible that the Bob Semple could have been a potentially useful tank in battle, as is planned to have a 37mm anti-tank gun rather than the Bren gun in the turret. The armor was also not completely with, uh, without bullet resistance, so it could at, at least be somewhat effective in the event of an invasion. <laughs> what a vote of confidence. I don't think there's any, like, because this is World War II Japanese ships, like, those things would get obliterated by like you, it's not even coastal defense. Like, where do you put those things? Uh, they'd be beach defense for an actual landing. And I will say, despite how shitty the Bob Semple tank was, I'll give it a fighting chance against Japanese tanks, which were awful. They were so bad and were the, the worst mass-produced tanks of World War II by far. So it's possible. I'm not going to give them a lot of possibility there. Now, maybe if they attach uh, a knife. To the front of a Bob Semple tank, like uh, like those <laughs> videos of people putting on knives on Roombas. I don't know. Maybe give it a fighting chance. Uh, I, I just run it in. It, the best thing a Bob Semple could do is uh, do what it looks like, and that is become an ISIS uh, built suicide truck or something. I don't know, well, fellas. Uh, that is the Bob Semple tank has probably been requested more than any other vehicle to talk about. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot to go off of because thank God the thing never saw combat. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's it. Uh, I have no segue here other than we do a thing on the show called Questions from the Legion uh, where you donate to the show uh, and you can ask us a question and we'll answer it on air. Um, and you could DM me on Patreon. You could email me. You could build a tank in New Zealand and float it over to me here in the Caucasus. I don't know how you'd get here, but I would take your tank messes. Build, People build like a to Bob say Semple that, tank and bring it to us. Yeah, I don't want a message in a bottle. I want a message in a tank. <laughs> <laughs> I, and you know what? I'm glad. I'm I'm glad I hit my tank bong before this too. So I was really in the uh, in the spirit oh, of this method podcast. acting. You're just method acting. It's fine. Um, and the, today's question is actually like the most normal question I think we've ever gotten. It is, tell me something good happening in your life right now. The world is terrible and I'm depressed. <laughs> so what is something good happening in your life right now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm generally fairly happy. Uh, the the podcasts in the store continue to, you know, be doing well. And uh, I don't know. I'm not unhappy, I guess. Like, I just... Uh, a lot of qualifiers in there. Just, just really high praise that we got going on here. <laughs> well, I mean, like everything that I have going on, like the, like that's good in my life, are, is are things that have been going on that are good. It's like I've got you know a family, I've got friends, I do a fun podcast like this. Like 
these are all things that make me happy and make me my my brain not uh, go run screaming out the door. So uh, I'm the the fact that I am not a big puddle of depression on a regular basis uh, because I have Wellbutrin and marijuana. Uh, that's a good thing going <laughs> on in my life. So what is keeping you happy right now? Drugs mostly. Next question. <laughs> You know, I mean, as they say, any port of storm. Um, I uh, without just saying something stupid like, "Oh, I'm really happy about this podcast," because like obviously I am. And you can't really say the one good thing happening in your life is technically what your job is. Uh, that would be very weird, in my opinion. Um, uh, but obviously, like I'm very happy with my my career. Um, and uh, I, uh, my book recently came out uh, last month and did much better than I thought it would do. Uh, which is always really nice when you know you work your ass off on something for, and, and I just realized I said I can't say work is the good thing in my life, and I'm saying work is the good thing in my life. <laughs> you have you have a job that you enjoyed, like that is a good that is a good thing. Like not know, everybody. But sometimes it almost makes me feel guilty for enjoying it because people work so many like I've worked jobs that I fucking hated. So many people work jobs they fucking hate. We have all worked shitty. We were all in the military. We've all had, we've all worked shitty jobs. It's okay that now in our middle ages, it's okay to have an email job. It's like, it's, it's, it's all right. We don't have have to. I no, you don't, but I, I know Carrie and I do. We have email jobs and they're very nice. And yeah, it's, you know, it's nice. It's nice to be able to like, like today I was talking to someone about like, you know, commuting to work every day. And it was like, yeah, to be clear, I only have to go to work like, you know, two days a week. Uh, And that's, you know, that's nice. I went I went into the office today and it was it was nice but mostly I stay at home and like I I work 40 hours a week but they're not like I've worked much harder for a lot less money than I do now so oh, um yeah for certain yeah It's 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 okay it's okay to not hate your job It's okay to be happy you know what don't, I'm culturally don't American yourself. I'm supposed to be unhappy with my with my work life okay if Twitter if Twitter is still around while this comes out, um, I don't know what weird permutation it's going to be in two weeks from now. But like, if Twitter's still around or whatever, like, I feel like if if Twitter goes away, a large chunk of people who like us and our people are going to like, I don't know, maybe maybe become a lot happier because we don't have this thing to doom scroll and uh, start. We'll, we'll have to start a forum. Return to tradition. Uh, Shocks, what what are you happy about? You have you've you've remained suspiciously quiet. Yes. <laughs> We're recording this in November. What are you thankful for? <laughs> Not a lot of things, but uh, uh, I'll be honest. But uh, one thing that I am very thankful for is I know that uh, I um, I related on the internet about a month or so ago that uh, my my beloved uh, dog had had pneumonia in one of his lungs and was you know in the fucking in the veterinarian hospital overnight was on oxygen and had to have an IV and I had to spend an unreasonable amount of money in order to like, keep him good. Um, but he's like, he's back. He's feeling good. He's like, he's, you know, um, Jesus, like fucking 12 years old now. And I never would have, uh, I never would have expected that when I first rescued him, uh, you know, back in 2012. And, uh, the fact that he's good and he's, he has been like an, an anchor to like, me going through law school, me dealing with like my, you know, uh, my father's death and like a lot of other things. And so the fact that he is okay and is kind of like a puppy again, because unlike me, he's now lost his COVID weight because he had fucking pneumonia. Um, you know, he, he's doing better and like that entire thing is good. And so like he's, he's happy and healthy. And as a result, he's, uh, he's something I can hold on to while like a lot of other things in the world are pretty fucking miserable. I'm I'm thankful for that. That's good. You shout, know. shout out to medium brown dogs. Yeah, yeah. you know. I'm I mean, glad I had you guys on on this show for this question because if it's Liam, he'd be like, "Nothing. Fuck you. Bye." <laughs> um, See, guys, you don't you don't have to go through life like Liam. Don't in, guys, a, in a world of uh, Liam. Thank you so much for joining me today. Plug your shows. Yes, uh, I am on What a Hell of a Way to Die, which is. Another show which uh, the two of you are on often. So if you like this, you should come over to my show too and give me five dollars a month for a lot of a lot more of this. Gary, go. And, and uh, similar to that, uh, as a a sub series to Hell of a Way to Die, uh, uh, you know, Tom uh, and I have been uh, doing Thirty Third County. We've been talking about the uh, 
the intersection between the Irish experience and the Irish American experience and in which I just very callously expose them to uh, exactly how we've interpreted that in America and make them watch a lot of terrible Boston movies and other sorts of, uh, you know, various different media and things. Uh, we are gradually moving towards hopefully, you know, launching something ourselves. Uh, and, and as part of that, hopefully we will be doing a entire Duncan related episode. So look forward to that one. <laughs> Uh, that's, you know, been much requested. Uh, so, you know, are we, are we going to bring Tom to America? Has Tom been to America before? Oh, no. So, uh, Tom is talking about, how would you do that to anybody? And, uh, he's, he's talking about coming to America in Boston in March. Uh, so, (laughs) so, so there's a non-zero chance that we're doing a live episode for the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Southie at some point in the, uh, the next outstanding. So, So, you know, uh, just know that. Whatever uh, psychic trauma that Joe has enforced upon all of you as a result of, you know, talking about genocide for uh, many different episodes in many different ways, you have still suffered less than Tom will suffer uh, as I bring him to the South Boston St. Patrick's Day Parade. (laughs) Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, If you like what we do here, consider supporting it through Patreon. You can do it for as little as a dollar. You get uh, this episode early, uh, bonus episodes, access to the Discord, etc. Um, or don't. It's your money. I'm not going to tell you what to do with it, but relieving, uh, leaving us a review is free uh, and it helps us for reasons I don't fully understand. But uh, yeah, leave <laughs> us a five-star review, uh, possibly support the show and until uh, next time, uh, disregard the military-industrial complex, build your own tank in your backyard. <laughs>